Welcome to So Says Rick. Mostly True Stories by Rick Hall. Okay, Laura, do you know what episode this is? 200 million. Okay. <laughs> no. You've ruined it. It's episode 40, and I was going to make a big deal out of it. <laughs> da, 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 da. Okay, don't even give it the fanfare. It's episode 40. <laughs> Welcome to episode 40. So, Laura, what's going on new in your world? So, we've talked about it before. I'm working on this show called Head Over Heels at Pasadena Playhouse. And the first week, I was working with the actors, rehearsing with them. Then we got the band in, and that's really fun, because then we get to rock out. It's all the music of the Go-Go's. Right, which is your favorite. Yeah, I love that band. And we've got a five-piece, all-female band, just like them. And we are rocking it. We're having a great time playing this music. Now, this week is Tech Week, though. And if you've ever done theater, Tech Week is like the most tedious, tedious. long... <laughs> So I'm just trying to, you know, shore myself up. And it means you're sitting on stage while they're fine-tuning the lights. So you've just got to stand there, and they're like, oh, we're going to move this one over. So yeah. luckily you're sitting, and you, yeah. can, you can work on your score and stuff while they're lighting Right. You. I can have my headphones on and be playing on the piano. But, yeah, so it's not only the lights. For me, it's also the sound, right? So right. They're, right. They're, I have to be there for both pieces of it. Right. You know what's funny? Laura was practicing one of the songs today. Day. And the, what is the tempo on that line? So the tempo is 200 beats per minute. How fast is that? You're playing eighth notes. How fast is it, Laura? Oh, how, oh to be playing eighth notes yeah. at that speed is like da 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 so maybe you, you'll slow that tempo down a we'll little bit. We'll see what happens. Ah, yeah. And last week, while you were so busy with this show, it was a perfect time for me to go to the farm back in the Midwest. And I miss harvest time so much. It was so great to be there for harvest. We were combining beans. We got some rain, but it dried off enough and we were able to work. But we did something I have never done at harvest time before. And that is we overfilled a bin, a grain bin. Who's the we? Rob and I, my brother uh. and I. But it was kind of his fault because he's supposed to keep track of it. But what that means is there's so many soybeans in the bin that they're coming out the eaves of the bin. And we didn't figure that out until about 6 o'clock at night, so it's almost dark. It took till 1030, almost 11 o'clock to clean up our mess. Oh, God. Which meant taking beans out of the grain bin. We probably took a 1,000 bushel out of the grain bin just to take it down enough and then... <laughs> It was just a really complicated mess. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't do it. Though. I know. I know. <laughs> Stupid city boy comes back and ruins things. No, it could happen to anybody, but we got it all cleaned up. So being on the farm made me take my trip down memory lane, and I thought about the story of my first kiss back when I was about 14 years old. And so I'm going to tell that story today. So here it is, cleverly titled, First Kiss. In the summer before I turned 14, our church youth group was going to a big Christian youth gathering in St. Louis. It was an ecumenical event, so there would be kids from all types of exotic religions, like Methodists and Lutherans. 
Our church had rented a bus for the trip, and to share the cost, a youth group from the Methodist church in town would be traveling with us. The name of their youth group, by the way, was the God Squad, which was the name of approximately 90% of the church youth groups in the 70s. In the weeks preceding the trip, rumors were floating around the Baptist church about how wild the God Squad kids were. I'm not sure who started that rumor, but by the time the trip rolled around, we Baptists were scared of the Methodist kids. That Saturday morning, when we all loaded onto the bus, the God Squad headed to the back of the bus, and the Baptists all sat in the front. When I got on the bus, I noticed that Cynthia Becker was sitting all alone. Now, technically, Cynthia was a member of our youth group, but she didn't come to the youth center on weekends and rarely attended church. And when she did, she didn't talk to the rest of us, so most of the people thought she was stuck up. But as she sat there alone on the bus, I saw through that wall she had built around herself. I could tell that she wasn't stuck up. She was just shy and needed a friend, and I was willing to be that friend and sit with her on the ride to St. Louis. Oh, yeah, did I mention that she was cute? Unbelievably cute? Yeah, that was probably at the core of my Christian generosity. The drive to St. Louis was about an hour and a half, and I was determined to get to know her better in that time. She was shy, so I did most of the talking. About 45 minutes into the drive, I got this feeling that things were going so well that maybe she wanted to hold hands with me. Okay, I didn't want to be pushy, so I waited for Cynthia to make the first move. She was looking out the window, and after a few minutes, she put her hand on the seat between us. As far as I was concerned, that was the first move. I put my hand on the seat and slowly slid it over until the side of my hand was touching the side of her hand. She didn't pull her hand away. Oh, yes, time for phase two. I slid my pinky on top of her hand and started to gently caress her. Suddenly, quiet, shy Cynthia did something that I wasn't expecting. She yanked her hand away and said very loudly, Oh, my God, Ricky Hall, are you trying to hold my hand? No, no, I never, I just, I bumped your hand. I didn't, uh. Okay, the whole bus heard it. The Methodist, the Baptist, the youth leader, the bus driver, people in the cars around us, everybody was witness to my shame. It was bad, really bad. I was so crushed that I don't remember anything about the youth encounter in St. Louis. I was just too self-conscious. I mean, all day long, I felt like people were talking behind my back. Be careful. That's Ricky Hall. Look out for him. He's a handholder. When we loaded up on the bus that night to come back home, I sat by myself in the middle of the bus. I just wanted to be alone, to lick my wounds. I was crushed. I was looking out the window when I heard somebody say, Can I sit with you? I looked up, and it was one of the Methodist girls, and not just one of them. She was the cutest one. Heck, she was the cutest girl on the whole bus. She was ecumenically cute. Obviously, she had not heard of my alleged hand-holding charges, so I said, I'm sorry, what? Ricky, can I sit with you? <laughs> you know my name? Well, you still have your name tag on. Oh, sure, sure, you can sit down here. I perked up considerably. I was at that age when hormones ruled my emotions. I went from the valley of despair to the mountain top of hope in a second. Her name was Mary, and we hit it off immediately. 
We talked for the first half hour or so, and when I say talk, both of us were adding to the conversation, unlike the monologue I had delivered to Cynthia Becker in the morning. At one point, we stopped talking, but that was okay, too. We were so comfortable in each other's presence, we didn't need to talk the whole time. He was silent, and I was looking out the window when I felt it. On the seat between us, the side of Mary's hand touching the side of my hand. It's a trick, I thought. She was toying with me, trying to get me to take the bait, and when I would reach out to hold her hand, she would say, Oh, my God, Ricky Hall, are you trying to hold my hand? And then I would be labeled for life, and I'd go to hell. So I just froze in place. Mary slid her whole hand on top of mine and started to massage my fingers. After a minute of this, I realized, I think she actually wants to hold my hand. I took a chance. I rolled my hand over, and immediately her fingers intertwined with mine, and we were holding hands. And when I say holding hands, not the kind of holding hands you do in the prayer circle where you hold hands with another guy or your Sunday school teacher or something. No, this was a co-mingling of fingers. Our hands were doing it. In the Baptist church, there's a lot of talk about how great heaven will be, but nobody really knows what it's like. I knew in that moment what heaven was like. It's holding hands with a girl for the first time. We held hands for about ten minutes until the bus pulled into a McDonald's parking lot. Then one of the youth advisors stood up in the front of the bus and said, Okay, kids, you got thirty minutes. Go in, eat, and get back on the bus. Suddenly, the herd of hungry young Christians piled off the bus, leaving Mary and I alone. I wasn't sure what to do. Um, I guess we should go in and get some food, huh? Oh, I'm kind of tired. I think I just want to rest right here. Well, I'll go get some food. Do you want me to get you anything? I figured, you know, now that we're dating, I should offer to buy her dinner. She said, That's okay. I'm not that hungry. Can I just share your food? And I said, Yes. Yes, because that's what couples do, you know. Couples that hold hands like that can share food. I started to leave, and she said, Ricky, hurry back. I ran into the McDonald's, pushed to the front of the line, ordered fish fillet, order fries, and chocolate shake to go, and make it snappy. I ran back to the bus, sat down with Mary, and before I could get the fries out of the bag, she leaned over and kissed me right on the lips. It was not everything I had hoped it would be. I mean, I'd seen Love American Style on TV. I expected fireworks, but no. After all the hype about how fast and wild these Methodist kids were, poor Mary didn't know how to kiss. She actually missed my lips. Her mouth was kind of open, and my lips went all the way inside of hers. It was so embarrassing. We pulled apart. I felt so bad for Mary. I knew that must have been embarrassing for her, so... I leaned in to give her a second chance, you know, to get it right. The second kiss was the same. Oh, this poor girl. I didn't want her first experience of kissing a Baptist to be a bad one, so I decided to give her one more chance to get it right. I even opened my lips a little to try and meet hers. And that third time, our lips met, and it was great. We held that kiss for several seconds until she opened her mouth a little more and suddenly I saw fireworks. It was amazing. I mean, 
I had heard about French kissing before, but I never imagined that one day I would be doing it on a church bus with a Methodist for crying out loud. Oh, man, I don't know how long we kissed, because when you're French kissing for the first time, time stands still. All of a sudden, kids started piling back onto the bus. Mary grabbed the chocolate shake. I grabbed the fries, and we played it cool. No one knew. As the bus drove back to Jerseyville, we ate our food together, and when we finished, she leaned over and whispered in my ear, Ricky, fish fillet is my favorite. Oh, I was good. We held hands for the last ten minutes of the bus ride, and when we got back to the church, our parents were all waiting for us, so Mary and I couldn't have that one last kiss goodbye. But that was okay. I mean, I just had the most sensual evening of my life. I couldn't imagine it could get any better. We never saw each other again after that one night of passion. But that's okay. We couldn't really be together anyway. I mean, we were fated to be apart, like Romeo and Juliet, the Hatfields and the McCoys, or like Jeannie and Major Nelson for My Dream of Jeannie. Everybody knows that a Baptist and a Methodist could never be together. Sometimes I show up in Rick's stories, but if you were wondering, this one is definitely not about me. Oh, no, no. I did not know Rick back then. No, no, no. But, honey, if you were on that bus trip, I would have wanted to kiss you. Oh, thank you. That's very sweet. Right. But I did change the names to protect the innocent, and I'm not sure how innocent some of those people were in this story. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the thing. You write songs a lot of times, and like about love and kissing, and, and I always assume they're about me. Like that time on stage, you sang that song about you kiss me that way. Right. And I've asked in front of an audience, Hey, who's that song about? (laughs) And you had to say, uh, a friend, (laughs) which it really was. I know. I know. I know. I'm feeling very comfortable with it. Hey, you know what? That reminds me. The last episode, we played that song that you had written about that abandoned carnival. Where did that idea come from? It's really creepy, and I just want to know where where your creepy side comes from. <laughs> well, really, originally, it came from one time when we were about college age. There was a carnival on Navy Pier. In Chicago. In Chicago. And somehow we ended up hanging out with the carnies afterwards. I don't even remember how it happened. But, you know, we'd never been around like carnies. Ooh, they felt exotic and dangerous. And yeah, like, would you want our daughters hanging around <laughs> absolutely carnies? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, You know, I'm sure my parents, had they known, would not have been at all happy about it. Right. But I guess that was the seed of it. And then I wrote the song years later. Wow, back when you were 20, and now you write it now. Wow, you hold on to an idea for a long time. That's good. (laughs) But I I did make a video of the song, and it's on my YouTube page if you want to see it, because there are people whose whole thing is that they travel to abandoned fairs. And there are people who do tours specifically for that. There's one near Chernobyl that's really famous. Oh, I'm sure that one's abandoned. There's one in, like, Oklahoma. And anyway, that's where I got a lot of the pictures from for these, uh, for the video. And if they go on YouTube, just look up Laura Hall. Yep, just look up my channel. Yeah. But you know what? You've inspired me. I think my next episode, I'm going to tell a story I've written that's complete fiction about some characters, you know, like the ones I grew up with. So I think maybe my next episode will be that. 
So we'll call it Not At All True Stories by Rick Hall. Or mostly made up. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We'll see you next time.